Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Five, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about calories. And what I want to know is, why is it that you can eat a 2,000 calorie meal and in theory, you're good for the rest of the day, but six to eight hours after, you finish that meal and you feel hungry again. <laughs> 2,000 calories is the daily recommended average. Uh, so it does depend on person to person. But to answer your question, here's how one person on Reddit explained it in true ELI fashion. So think of your body like a steam engine. And a fireman, you know, they get a load of coal. Uh, in this analogy, it would be food. And either shovels it uh, into the engine or shovels it into kind of the, the coal car. Uh, which we could think of as your fat reserves. So hunger is kind of the fireman saying, hey, just so you know, I'm not getting any coal right now. It could be an issue. Uh, it doesn't care that the coal car is, has plenty. Uh, just no more new stuff is kind of coming in. Well, that's a great way to explain it. So yeah, hunger is not actually directly tied to your calorie intake. Your body uses a lot of different metrics to decide whether or not you should be eating, including things like nutrient levels and how full your stomach is. Uh, that system has been tuned to our evolutionary past when our diets were actually much less calorie dense. Now, when you're mostly eating stuff like berries and lean meat, it's not possible to consume 2,000 calories in a single sitting. Uh, so the body prompts you to try to eat multiple times per day. Someone who eats all of that in a you know single burger, for example, will have enough energy to technically make it through the day but their body will eventually start screaming at them to eat something anyways. So another question that comes up with regards to calories is this curious fact that oftentimes cooked food has more calories than its raw counterpart. Why is this? Indeed, indeed. So the heat from cooking actually partially breaks down the food, making it easier to extract the calories from the food. So since you use less energy to get the energy from the food, you kind of net more calorie intake. Uh, there's also cooking methods that often involve adding things like, you know, butter that tend to also give the whole meal more calories. Of course. But how about the counter argument that says, you know, when you cook, many foods uh, actually shrink a little bit uh, and maybe weigh less after uh, being cooked to their raw equivalents. Wouldn't that be less calories then? Mm, that's also a great observation. What this does mean is that when weighing your food on a food scale or using maybe volume to portion food, cooked food is more dense than uh, with actual food. Raw food contains lots of water. Water evaporating doesn't you know, really reduce calories. So cooking sometimes makes uh, uh, indigestible foods more digestible. A lot of plant food, for example, has digestible material surrounded by you know, some in indigestible material like cellulose. So the plant cell walls are not digested by humans, and a lot of it passes through us without being extracted, unless, however, you cook it and make it more of a digestible. That makes sense. Um, now, related to more or less calories, why is it that restaurant food vastly has more calories than uh, food than you have at home? Yes, those calorie counts are often pretty insane. Uh, and there's a very simple one-word answer to that question. What is it? I bet one of our listeners already has it in their heads. It's butter. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not, probably not a big secret, but professional chefs use completely different ratios and ingredients. For example, they use a 2 to 1 potato to butter ratio when making mashed potatoes. 
Uh, how's that for an example? <laughs> That's a good example. Um, now, another calorie-related uh, ingredient is uh, aspartame, which uh, they've people add to uh, sodas to make zero-calorie kind of sugar substitutes. Uh, but they have a weird aftertaste. Why is that? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, typically, when you think of sugar, you know sucrose is considered clean and has no aftertaste. Uh, clean here meaning it only activates those sweet receptors on your tongue. Other sweeteners, however, activate both sweet and bitter receptors. However, because artificial sweeteners are so powerful, they quickly kind of overwhelm the sweet receptors, and the bitter receptors still scale up, though with greater mass for kind of longer times. This is why aspartame you consume is actually mostly filler ingredients because otherwise you would kind of be overwhelmed by the by the bitterness. Interesting. And finally, here's one question for everyone listening to this episode in January. Uh, why is it good to burn calories by raising your heart rate through things like aerobic exercise? Um, but other things that raise your heart rate, say caffeine or stress or anxiety, uh, is not a good way to burn calories. <laughs> you know, that's a really also a great observation. We don't fully know the real answer, but in general, I would say it's not the increase, not just the increased heart rate that's the benefit. It's kind of all the other thing that's happening along with it that kind of creates that net benefit. Um, when you're exercising, your body needs to deliver more oxygen and does blood to your muscle tissue and it raises the metabolic response appropriately. This results in the blood vessels kind of opening up and the heart rate increasing to kind of push that blood along. And in general, your blood pressure doesn't increase by much, if at all. I see. So even though we measure the heart rate uh, as our metric, it's really the whole system response which is benefiting us. Exactly, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Um, as an aside, it also uh, causes your other kind of uh, unconscious processes like digestion to be put on hold and receive less blood. And this is why you can get stomach cramps if you exercise too soon after a very large and heavy meal. So how about drugs or stress? Well, you know, things like stress or certain drugs, again, they, they increase your heart rate, but they don't result in that corresponding opening of the blood vessels. In fact, in the case of some drugs, the opposite will occur and your blood vessels will constrict with your heart pushing faster through blood vessels or some same or smaller diameter, this results in an increase in blood pressure, and it's that chronic exposure to the increased blood pressure that can cause problems. Um, it can stress the muscles in the heart and the blood vessel linings. And this is all because the heart is having to squeeze harder than before due to this increased pressure. You know, caffeine has some of these effects too. It is both a diuretic, that means it makes your body uh, <laughs> excrete more water, uh, and vasoconstrictor makes means may makes your blood vessels uh, narrow. So you just laid out a bunch of very logical arguments, uh, you know, for why this is the case. Why did you say we don't really know uh, that exercising um, and raising a heart rate is is good for you? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you know, so this is all back to the scientific scientific method. To be sure and say definitively, you need long term scientific studies which are controlled for all the potential variables, which is really hard. For example, some studies show that consuming large volumes of caffeinated coffee increases longevity and improves quality of life. Well, is that because of caffeine? Or antioxidants? Or maybe the social effects? Some confounding variable like a good job or exciting hobby that causes people who would be happy any happier anyway to consume more coffee? 
So <laughs> there was a large-scale uh, study recently concluded in November 2020 that tried to address this, uh, and it ran from 1997 all the way to 2020. Uh, this is the one that asked if vigorous physical activity is, so, uh, is associated with additional mortality uh, compared to uh, just moderate physical activity. Yes, yes, that's the right one. So what did they conclude? So their study, which had 400,000 participants over a 20-year period, and looked at people who had the same amount of exercise, just some with more vigorous activity, they found that for the same amount of total physical activity, either classified as you know moderate to vigorous, participants with a greater proportion of vigorous physical activity had lower all-cause morality. So physical activity does matter. Well, now we know that. Did you learn something new today? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five on Reddit. We will see you all next week.